Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On Giddy Up, it's time for the debate. And UFC's biggest name in my eyes is Jack Jenkins, the UFC fighter from Bacchus Marsh. He loves his horse racing and he joins us here on the Giddy Up for the Wednesday debate. G'day, Jack. G'day, Gareth. How are you? I'm very well, mate. I'll tell you what. Now, we're based here at SEN today in the Coventry studios in Melbourne in South Bank. To the left, I've got the one and the only Craig Hutchison and Damien Barrett doing their, their all-conquering award-winning podcast, The Sounding Board. In the middle of the um, level four building today, he's basically out in the corridor doing SA and breakfast. His premiership winning captain for the Adelaide Football Club, Mark Bickley. Breakfast is upstairs. They've stolen our studio today because of AFL trade radio. You've got Gary Lyon, Timmy Watson. I walked in there and there's the great Ricky Ponting. He loves a punt. Um, And then Jack Jenkins. And I think you're the biggest name, Jack. Outrageous, outrageous comment with Rocky, Ricky Ponting and those fellas well, in the building. But if you ask, if you asked all of uh, our 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 younger generation, like Ollie, and um, if you're the team out the back, you're their hero, well, the USC superstar, the boy from Bacchus Marsh. Um, anyway, that's a, that's enough patting you on the back. How was your weekend? I, I caught up with you on Friday night. We went to the races there at the Valley. Yep. To watch. Imperatrice and Amelia's Jewel. What a night it was. Mate, what the Mooney Valley absolutely nailed that night, the Moya. That was one of the best nights of racing I've ever been to. It helped that I tipped six of eight for the card from the mounting yard. So. You did unbelievable. Oh, like I saw you at the Ascot Vale Hotel and you were talking through the horses that you liked and the horses that you backed. And I was thinking, oh, I don't know if Jack's on the money today. It would be interesting. And then all of a sudden you tipped the first four or five winners. You could not miss. Well, actually, what happened was... I, I, I did the form and then we were sitting at the Ascot Vale and I'd done my form based on thinking that because it was dry, it was going to be a leaderish track and the rail was going to be hot. And then you said, I don't know. I think it might be upside down. I think it'll be swoopers track. So that just threw me off. So I just went, you know what? I'm just going to fire from the hip and pick them from the mounting yard. Yep. And then I was picking them from the mounting yard and I went, um, one, two, three, missed the fourth, um, five, six, seven and missed the eighth. So Lizzie, D- Lizzie Jelson. And Jay and I will look out. Yeah. Maybe a career in the, the mounting yard what, analyst. What were you looking for in the mounting yard then? I, honestly, mostly just who was the who were the fit horses. Because it's the yep. start of the spring. You don't know who's fit and who's there to run. And, and then also I was trying to steer clear of the big, larger, thicker horses that, that probably weren't going to suit getting around the bend at the valley in a night meet. Yep. So there's plenty to discuss today. And we've got some hot topics that we need to get through. And the first of the hot topics is how many chances, winning chances are there in this year's Everest. Now the bet three, six, five market, we'll go through them here. Think about it after winning the premier stakes is at three fifty. I wish I win at four fifty. Private eye at $6. Buenos Notches at eight. Cylinder at 10. A Y50 at $12. In secret 15. Overpass 15. Shinzo 17. Espiona 17. Now, Osmosis hasn't got a start at 17. 
Marzu's in the race still at 26. An alcohol-free is a likely candidate there to represent Yulong at $26. So that will wrap up the field for this year's Everest. Imperatrice isn't in the market with Bet365. She's in some other markets, um, but she's got Doubtful next to her name. And unless there is some type of miracle deal at the last minute between Mr. Zhang and David Ellis, then she won't be going around in this year's Everest, Jack. Which is interesting. After watching her again um, at Mooney Valley on Friday night, boy, she looked a million dollars first of all. And second of all, she she went like a lead yet. And she'd be mighty hard to beat, you would imagine, even though she doesn't go as well the Sydney way than she does the Melbourne way. But um, Do you think she'd still jump favourite if, if she got the slot? I think she'd be, yeah, for fighting for favouritism. Yeah. I reckon she'll start nearly close to favourite. If they said that she's going there today, she would be, yeah, she'd be knocking on the door for favouritism. I've got no doubt about that. Yeah, she she's a superstar. Um, you know, I don't think there's a better sprinter in that race than her from what we saw there at Mooney Valley. I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I, I my thing is I think we're we're forgetting how long ago Peter Moody said I wish I win will have this one lead up race, then it'll have a big long break with a couple of gallops in between, and then it'll start in the Everest. And he, we also forget that he said he's had, he had the best sprinter he's ever had. And maybe we will ever see in black caviar. And at that time he also said, and this one might go close. Yeah. So we haven't seen the very best of, I wish I win. I wish I win here. And, um, I think that if, if Peter Moody's done everything right, which I reckon he has, then I wish I win still is a clear favorite here for me. So four double nine seven three six seven three six, and you can join our conversation, our debate today. Um, I don't know if you can give us a call in this new stu- studio, but definitely text in four double nine seven three six seven three six, or give us a call one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. How many winning chances in the Everest? I say, think about it. Can win. I wish I win. Can win. Private Eye can win. I'm taking on Bonus Notches. Cylinder can win. A Y five O can win. In secret, I reckon she's a better horse down the straight, so I'll take her on. Overpass. He's an interesting one for mine because I thought he trialed nicely again at Rose Hill, and he's the only pace in the race. And if it is a a day that you're dominating on pace, he might be able to get away with a with an Everest, like he did in a Quaker in a way. So I give him a half a chance. So that's five and a half. Shinzo, I can't have him. I know that he's got the ability, but after what happened there in the shorts and then after, and he trialed nicely and they're going to push ahead with him, it looks like, but I'll still take him on. And Espiona, I don't think can win. Marzu can't win and Alcohol Free can't win. So I've got about five and a half, six horses that can win the Everest in my eyes at the moment, Jack. Yeah. I can't work out which... Like, if I had to pick one right now, I'm probably leaning towards Private Eye. You're leaning towards Private Eye for the yep. price, or you just genuinely think the best horse in the race? Well, I, I thought he should have nearly won it last year, and he got beat by a star and Giga Kick. I think that he can put himself into a spot. I thought he was good the other day when he was wide on the track, and he, and he won like a good horse. I just think that from a tactical point of view that he can – I think the Barry draw will play a major part in the Everest because there's so many horses that – probably don't have tactical speed to push the button and go forward if they draw wide. 
So if they draw low, they can settle a little bit closer to some of their major dangers. So I think the draw will play a part, but I just like from a, I think he can be close enough to the speed. Like he got over overpass the other day. I think if he's close enough, he's definitely got the talent to win. So I've just got this feeling there when I'm painting the picture in a way that like, I wish our wind's going to be flashing home, um, but it might be all too late. Yeah. I, I can see where you go with that. Um, for me, the only way you can look at this race is you go, all right, let's, let's consider these horses with all other things being equal because we don't know how the track's going to play. We don't know what barrier draw they have or anything like that. So all other things being equal, if the track plays fair, if they draw a decent barrier and if they get to the day fit and healthy, who's going to win this race. And at 1200, I really just think I wish I win is yep. the pick of this bunch unless Imperatrice goes. The only, if Imperatrice goes, then I, I, I'll be seriously scratching my head about who, who I'm going to back. And it's going to come down to how's the track playing, what's the barrier. But then, like you said, I can make a case for absolutely all of these horses. Hawaii 5.0 has come on a lot and seemed to have matured a lot. Yep. Think about it's a superstar and it. While Hawaii 5.0 got close to it on the weekend, I think, think about it, was probably on inferior ground. Yeah. So I think that was had a bit more merit than it looked like to the eye, I think. I actually disagree with you on Buenos Noches. I think Buenos Noches is a superstar and last two runs has been blocked in pretty badly and he needs to get up ahead of steam to get to his top speed. He doesn't have that rapid turn of foot where he can just see a bit of daylight and turn it on. He's got to build into it. And uh, I think if he can get the right run, he can flash home as well. Yeah, I'm with Buenos Notches. I think he showed that potential that he can do it, but I just want to see him do it. He's a, He's got that flashing light on him a couple of times. And in, in the top class, like I remember when he he competed against Geeky and he wasn't far off, and I thought he'd just go on and win a few more races after that, and he probably hadn't performed at the level that I thought he, he could. And I know he's had a few excuses along the way, and he's come back a better horse this preparation but I'd rather, yeah, I would take him on here. Now, I could be wrong, um, but he's a progressive type and he, we don't quite know his, his ceiling at the moment. But it is going to be a great race. And whether you thought Imperatrice should be in the Everest or not, she has definitely got, like, it's, this is why the Everest works. And I had a chat to Guy Moldcaster on the Breeding Bloodstock and Banner podcast this morning is that Imperatrice broke the track record at Mooney Valley in a Moy Stakes. And instead of everybody talking about what you're going to do at the Valley over 1,200 metres in a, in a Manicado or that Dali Spring, everybody's talking about, is she going to get a slot in the Everest? Will they give her a deal that's too good to refuse? Why hasn't, and this is another point that I can't quite get my head around, and David Ellis has been up front with his decision why he doesn't want to go to the Everest because he hasn't been satisfied with the deal. But... Why wouldn't you try and buy a slot? I don't know if you could get it for $700,000, but maybe they could have got one for eight hundred or nine hundred. You get seven hundred back if you run last. But if you win, the upside and the carrot at the end of the day is something that you can't really sneeze at. Like it's $7 million and you would get all of it if, if you purchase a slot of someone. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge carrot to dangle in front of someone. Um, obviously, the right deal just hasn't come up. I imagine they're doing quite, quite hard negotiations and, David Alice is a fairly astute, you know, operator. So he's just trying to make sure he gets the best deal that they can. Um, but it's, again, it comes to that argument of, are we watering down some of these great races by having the competition between the two big racing states? And, you know, looking at even coming up with the Tourac and things like that, and I know you spoke about it on Monday, and 
um, you want the best horses racing against each other because they're the races that you want to see. There, like no one had an interest in watching Hartnell run in Sydney when if Winks was running in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and if if Imperatrice doesn't go there, it'll be a real shame. Um, and uh, I would like to see the best horses run against the best horses, and the best race is the Everest. Yeah, and as racing fans, and I've said this all along, like I'm I'm not in Sydney's camp. I'm deaf. I'm not in Melbourne's camp. I'm in racing's camp. So from a a sporting lover, you want to see the best take on the best. Why do we love the Ashes so much? Because it's Australia taking on England and they're probably nearly the two best sides in, in the world at the moment. I know they've got their tradition and it's like people watch Test cricket. And the only time they watch Test cricket is, is the Ashes. But you want to watch the best tennis players take on each other, the best fighters take on each other. That's that's what makes sports so great. You want to see NBA players when Jokic is taking on LeBron and all that. So, that's why we love sport when the best take on the best. Unfortunately, at the moment, with so many options, and I can understand why both states put these races on because their job is to try and get the best talent to their races so people can go and watch them and people bet on them. But at the moment, there's just too many options for these owners and trainers to um, go to in a way. And that means we're not going, that means we're not getting the best taking on the best. At the moment. So we're just off, just one horse off. If Imperatrice turns up, I think, in, in Everest, that's a dream field for our sprinters, I think. We nearly got a, the, the best field there. Um, but it just it just lacks, like the, ever, like the Imperatrice class, and I think she's the most sexiest horse at the moment in Australasia, um, from a sprinting perspective anyway. It, it, would be, it would be one hell of a race if she was there. 100%. And I, I think... You know, I know we lost Giga Kick, but I think this race has a little bit of everything. You've got like an established star, like I wish I win. You've got up and coming three-year-olds who we don't know what their potential is. You've got some horses that have competed before, some that haven't, question marks on some. I think for a racing fan, there's so many angles you can yeah. take and it's such an exciting race. And what does Yearlong do? Do they go with alcohol free? I thought she was good the, um, pretty good the other day, but she's a 1,400, 1,600 meter horse. I know that they might have been still shopping around on Saturday morning looking for a couple of horses as well. So, like, it looks like she's the favourite at the moment and it's such a big advantage if they use their own horse because they get all of the prize money. So they have to take that into consideration. So, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Um, but it is going to be a great race. In fact, that day is going to be a great race and we will be debating what would you do with Amelia's Jewel if you owned her straight after this break? If you're Peter Walsh and Simon Miller, are you going to the Turak or are you going to a King Charles into an Eagle or are you staying in Melbourne going to a Turak to a Cox Plate? Um, let us know, 0499-736-736 because it seems to me that they continue to change their minds from day to day. So we'll chat to Jack about that, um, that straight after this break. You're with Gareth Hall and Jack Jenkins. This is the Wednesday Debate. Welcome back to Giddy Up, 0499-736-736 to join our conversation. This is the Wednesday Debate, Gareth Hall and Jack Jenkins with you. Now, if you're Simon Miller and Peter Walsh, and you've got a decision to make regarding the campaign for the rest of the spring with Amelia's Jewel. Are you going to the Turak, King Charles, the Turak or the King Charles, and then there's a decision to be made whether you go to the Eagle 
or you go to the Cox Plate? Which way are you going, first of all? Well, I am going, depending on the weight she gets for the tour, I know we've spoken about this probably. I think she'll get top weight. Yeah. It's it's one of those things. I, I, I'm i all about fairness, but I'd be, if I'm anything to do with this, I'd be leaning on the handicappers just to, to give her a chance that they will keep her here. Because if she goes, we, we know that if she goes to Sydney, she's staying in Sydney. Mm. They're not going to move her up and bring her back. And, and that's, and that's a big problem we've got here. Um, but I would love to see her stay Turak and then Cox Plate. And I understand that some people have gone the line of if she goes this year as a four-year-old, she can compete in the Golden Eagle. So let her go there. And then, you know, there's always the option to come back and go for a Cox Plate. I just don't, I don't agree with that at all. It, horse racing is so up and down. You can be in form, you can be out of form. Yep. Everything's going well for her right now. She moves well around the valley right now. It looks like it's going to suit this year. Leave her here, run her in the tour rack, freshen her up, run her in a cox plate. Well, I disagree with you. I think as much as I would love for her to go to the cox plate, I think her best option at the moment for success is like, I can't, like she's going to get top weight. I think in looking at the, the horses that might be going there, um, She's definitely going to get top weight, I think, in a in a Turak. So, and she might have to carry fifty eight if she's top weight. So they're even if they're relying on a horse like the Inevitable, um, she still rates higher. She got a higher rating than him. I doubt Tuvalu's going because he's been set for a race like the Railway Stakes in Perth. Yep. Um, maybe a horse like a, a Wetall might go, but I don't know. So I think that. That she's going to, there's a chance that she'll get top weight. Um, but for me, it's a no-brainer to go to the King Charles because she'll be weight for age. She'll get a weight allowance at weight for age over a horse like a Mr. Brightside. I'd back her to beat Mr. Brightside um, around Randwick over a mile. I know he's the barometer and the, the star at the moment, but I think she would be a big chance if she could handle the Sydney way of going. And then you get an idea if she handles the Sydney way of going. Um, and if she does, you go on towards an eagle. I think she's a better chance now in an eagle than she is in a cox plate. Do you think that purely because the four-year-old and romantic warrior? Do you think if we take romantic warrior out of the equation, do you do you change your view on that? No, I think it's I think it's more of a case that we all know that she's going to get a mile, like she did the other day in the stocks, and we know that she can drop back with a turn of foot to get fifteen hundred. The 2,000 metres and a, and a high-pressure Cox plate is still a massive question mark. So at this time of her career, why don't you just play to her strengths and try and play to the, to the strengths that we know that she's good at at the moment and give her an opportunity over a mile and then 1,500, racing for some terrific prize money. Like, you can head to Sydney and race for 5 and $10 million. And I know that Peter Walsh doesn't need the money, you can say, but he's still running a a business at Amelia's Park and he's trying to um, improve that business and grow that business. And when you're trying to do that, you need to have some money coming in, of course. You can have all the money that you that you want, but he's a smart business person. So he would be trying to work it work it out from a, a business perspective as well with this, this mayor. So I, I think that I can't understand that they put their hand up and they want to go to a Turak. Um, and she might have to carry weight. And even though that if she is the top weight, it's going to be a group three quality field anyway. 
Um, but she's still giving some nice horses six kilos because the minimum would be 52. So I said, just go to the King Charles, give her a crack at that $5 million race, which would be a beauty, and then go to the, the Golden Eagle and and be done with it and, and head to Sydney nice and early. So that's what I would do. I'm thinking that they probably still go to the Turak. And this is – so my – Simon Miller, this is his philosophy, all right? And and you got to understand and respect his philosophy. Like in a perfect world from a racing fan, that's what I would like to see Amelia's Jewel do. And it, it makes sense, I think, a little bit too from a business point of view. But Simon Miller go, well, I've got one grand final and that grand final is either a Cox Plate or a Golden Eagle. And to get to that grand final, he doesn't care where he goes to. He doesn't care about the prize money. He just wants the horse to have the best possible experience. So that's for him. I think it's staying in Melbourne where she's comfortable at Flemington and she doesn't have to get onto a float and head down to Sydney and be prepared for a race like a King Charles. So she can stay in Melbourne, then go back home at Flemington at a Melbourne base and then only head up to Sydney a couple of days out from the race. So that's his thinking there, which you have to respect and you can understand as well. For sure. That's a very selfless take from you, Gareth, because I know how much you love that horse and you would like to see it run in Melbourne and, yeah, I would love be, in, and yeah. be involved. That's a selfless take. It is. Because uh, did you see her, how popular she was at Mooney Valley? It was unbelievable. And not only she's, how quickly she's kind of become a cult figure. We were at the Ascot Vale after the races and there were Simon Miller chants yeah. from the public. There was people chanting for Simon Miller in, in, in the pub. It was unbelievable. And, and he's, and cause he walked into the Ascot Vale hotel and my phone went off and it was sort of like, um, two rock stars there. Peter Walsh was there as well. And so, and Simon's one of the only trainers I think in the game that would go and have beers on the lawns with the fans. Mate, he's a superstar. I yeah. spent a bit of time with him at track work Monday morning and then again on Friday night and I... Oh, he's such a magnetic character. You just yep. want to spend time around him. Yeah. No, he's, he's doing wonders for the sport. So I think every state would love Simon Miller, not only to get his horse there, but because he's such a great promoter of the sport. 8.32, Gareth Hall, Jack Jenkins with you. This is the Wednesday debate on Giddy Up, 0499 736 736 to join our conversation. We'll come back with plenty more straight after this. Imagine what you could be buying instead. For free and confidential support, Visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. We all believe in love here on Giddy Up 835. Now, we'll take a break. Straight after the break, we're going to have a debate. And this might just test Jack here because he's friends with everyone and he's got so many different camps that he's in and he's a very loyal man. I'm going to ask the question as and now this is an interesting one. Jacko came up with this, not me. Has Blake Shin and now Damien Lane surpassed James McDonald right now as the country's best jockey? Right now, when we talk about being informed. 0499 736 736. The other question we've got to debate. If you had to give a horse to a trainer right now as well, which trainer would you be choosing? Send your text messages in on... 0499 736 736. This is the Wednesday debate. Gareth Hall, Jack Jenkins with you on Giddy Up. And don't forget, also discuss this scalper from Hong Kong, Romantic Warrior. Can he be a warrior in Australia and bring his Hong Kong form here to Flemington on Saturday? Don't go anywhere. Still plenty to come here on Giddy Up this Wednesday.
Welcome back to Giddy Up, Gareth Hall with you on this Wednesday morning. Text messages are flying through, so we're going to get to them a little later on. This is a Wednesday debate. Jack Jenkins, the superstar fighter from the UFC, he's got an exclusive for us a little later on as well, where he'll be fighting next. In fact, Giddy Up might pack their bags and head with him. I don't know if we can fit into his hotel room, but I'll have those details for you towards the back end of the show. But now time to get into the ring and have a chat about who is the best jockey in the land. Now, the question that Jackson France, our producer, said, Jack, I don't really want to get controversial with these jocks. I love them all. But he goes, Gareth, you have to debate this. This is why it's called the Wednesday debate. And I said, you're the boss. Blake Shin, Damien Lane, have they surpassed James McDonald as the country's best jockey? Who wants, do you want to start on me? Yeah, I'll start. All right, then. 100%. Uh, number one jockey in the country at the moment, based on form, is Blake Shin. Number two is Damian Lane. Those are just the facts. You, it, you take some time off, that's right, you come back. You, J-Mac's still a phenomenal jockey, and I'm sure he'll have his moments in the spring. But the way Blake Shin is riding at the moment, he is like a man possessed. He has gone off a horse on Friday night, come back on, and rode, ridden again and won again. Yeah. It was... He got suspended, however. Can he you got... be the best jockey in the land if you keep getting time? Oh, well, I don't know. He only got suspended for that one ride, right? It's not yeah, like it's he, 14 it's not... days at this I know, time of And year. I know it's, it's, it's a big one, and, and I get that we've got to keep everyone safe and, and himself. He's got, he's got a responsibility to the other riders, the horses, and to himself. But he, it's split-second decisions. It's, you know, I, I, I've never ridden a horse, so I'm not going to comment on that. It's just... I feel like he's finding the right gaps. He's sitting in the right spots. He's pushing the button at the right time. He is riding unbelievably well. And Frosty, like he's 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 the Iceman. Mm. He just the difference between the best jockeys and the others is that they make no mistakes, right? And he is the Iceman. He flies smooth, cold, no mistakes. So J Mac, if you have to have a, a crystal ball and predict who's going to be the best jockey in the next year or so, you'd probably go towards J Mac. But at the moment, after that broken foot, I think it's taken him a little while to get back to his best form, and he's still trying to find that rhythm. For mine, the best jockey in the land's Damien Lane, and I think he proved it with his ride on Amelia's Jewel. No one had D Lane doing what he did with that mare and landing in the spot that he did. It was it was a genius D Lane ride, and I know that he was on a dollar thirty favourite, but some would have just went back to last and then tried to. Um, see her do the, the, the impossible and get the job done in a stock stakes. But, and no one thought she had that gate speed as well. So he's jumped out. He's put her right on the leader's back and she did the rest. Um, I think that he's just in the zone at the moment, D lane. He's a hungry hoop. He's proven it when he heads overseas that he can mix it with the best. Um, not many jockeys can go to Japan and have an impact that he's had on, on Japanese racing as well. Every time he travels overseas, he seems to get a winner, whether it be to buy Hong Kong or Japan, D-Lane. So I think he's world-class. He'd be my top jockey at the moment. Shin just gets suspended too much, and we all want him to be making sure that, and from a punter's perspective, we love how he, he's, you know, he's right on the line. But there comes a time where you, you do have to make sure that you, you, you don't want him doing what happened there the other night when he's falling off because... Um, he's got to look after his own safety and, and his, his fellow competitors. So, but 
Shin's got that ability to get these horses out of the gate as well. Like he's, he's a maverick. He is. It's and maverick that, versus the Iceman when we're talking Damian Lane versus Shin here. And what about his ride? He, he, he rode for a little bit of luck on Nick Ryan's horse the Ranting. other day. Ranting. Oh, that was one yeah. of the best rides I've ever seen. So he's just on fire at the moment, Shin. And then I think Matt, Jay Mack, I think for the first time in for a long time that we're not talking about him as our number one jockey in this country. And I know it's difficult because you've got Sydney and Melbourne. It's hard to line up the two different jockeys' rooms. Um, and Joe Murray is back in in, in Melbourne, at, I mean, in, in Sydney at the moment. So I think for the first time in a way, I think the Melbourne jockeys' room might have it over Sydney's jockeys' room. Yeah, at the very top end, I, I yep. agree. I think they're probably, they probably have a little bit more depth yep. right down to, you know, the number the number 10. But I think in that 56-kilogram who are your top two or three? I think we've got it over them. And it's going to be interesting come Melbourne Cup time and some of those big handicaps because there's not too many horses that have got the weight for our premier jockeys like a Zara and a Bowman and McDonald for, for, for that matter. Um, D Oliver, like they can get down to 54 if they get plenty of notice, but um, there's going to be plenty of top class lightweight chances engaged in in this year's Melbourne Cup. 8.46, we'll take a break. On the other side of it, we'll come back and debate. If you had a horse right now and you could give to any trainer, um, which trainer would you be giving that horse to? Let us know, 0499 736 736. Plus, we'll come back with your text messages straight after this. Back to Getty Up. This is the Wednesday debate. Wayne Hawks has just arrived in the studios as well. So we've got Ricky Ponning, um, Wayne Hawks, Hutchie's here in the studios. Is he today. coming on our show? Wayne Hawks. Yeah, is he coming in here? I don't know. We could get him in here. Get him in know. here for the last two topics. I don't know if Jacko is Jacko listening to us. Is he? Um, we'll text Jacko and say get Wayne in here because Jack wants to meet him. Have you met Wayne? Never met him. Um, well, uh, like Wayne doesn't doesn't miss an opportunity to um to to get on air anyway, so you'll be in here before you know it. Now, what question we're about to debate? Oh, this one. So, if you got a horse right now, which trainer are you giving it to? Now, this is a difficult debate. This is another one that Jacko um wanted to have a chat about because I love all trainers, but it's a horses for courses in a way because if you've got a stayer, there's certain trainers that can train a stayer. If you've got a two-year-old colt, you probably give it like Team Hawks would be up there. Um, Peter Moody, like if you've got a sprinter or um, obviously Moods can, he's, he's nearly won a Melbourne Cup with incentivise. He won a Caulfield Cup. So it's horses for courses for mine. Chris Waller's a genius. His record speaks for itself. The the job that um, that he's done with certain horses uh, is quite amazing. So there's like, and then there's trainers like Simon Miller and Tony Golan. So there's terrific trainers right across the country. But right now, Adrian Bott and Gay Waterhouse can't do anything wrong. They're, they're getting winners, not just in these big races, but outside of the, the metropolitan tracks. Every time they're, they're going to these provincial meetings, they're winning. Um, and some of the jobs they're doing with horses like Just Fine is amazing. He had no form in the UK and he's gone bang, bang, bang and won a group one. That alligator blood store, I know we've been talking about it now for a few seasons. To do the job with that horse is one of the great training performances that I've ever seen, really. Um, so they are they're training two-year-old winners. They're getting um, they're getting their fillies to fire the the fire at the moment. So 
they're, they're the informed training combination of the country at the moment. Yeah, hundred percent. And they seem to, whatever they're doing to lean on each other, to get, you know, the breadth of experience and find the right races and place these horses properly. It's working really well. You can't argue that they're the best. They're not the best right now. And James Cummings, I've got like James Cummings job is just, like, you give him a horse in a heartbeat as well. Unfortunately, Sheikh Muhammad won't let us, but, um, yeah. Yeah. For me, it, it depends in the same way that you want to find the right trainer for the horse. You've got to find the right trainer for yourself as an owner, because Correct. some, ho- some owners will want to be very involved, very, you know, hands on and, and really make it feel like this is my horse and I'm, I'm involved in in its career. Um, and some owners will want to sign the piece of paper, pay the bills and collect the prize money, hopefully. So it's just different for depending on the kind of owner you are. But if I was going to buy a horse, I want to be as hands-on as I can. I want to be involved in the experience, you know, not just on race day, but all around. And I think for something like that, I wouldn't go past Nick Ryan. Yeah. Um, and the way I was, I had the privilege of being in the, the winner's bar with the owners of ranting on um, Friday night at the Valley. And the way those owners speak about him and the, the, uh, the way that the owners get treated and brought along for the journey is, uh, is, is really special. So for me, if I was going to, if I was going to pick up a two year old or something and I had the opportunity to send it somewhere, it would be Nick Ryan. And you would give your horse to like, you give the horse, like there's so many great trainers out there that, um, that you could give your horse and have a lot of fun with. But I think sometimes that you're right, you could give, you, you give a horse to a person that you get on really well with and you've got that, um, association with as well. So you can like, you treat it like a football team in a way. And, and some trainers are too big to do that, to give you the opportunity to, um, have that one-on-one type of relationship with, but Nick Ryan, and you've got a wonderful association with him. Um, so I've got trainer like SJ Miller in Perth that we've got horses with. And like, I think he's a superstar now. He doesn't have the champion horses as say other trainers do, but it's horses for courses. And at the end of the day, I think the most important part for mine is that you want to have success on the racetrack. There's no doubt about that, but you want to have fun. So you go to a trainer that you can have fun with. And if you can do that and you have a happy experience, then that's all you need because racing is meant to be fun. And you're not going to, it doesn't matter what trainer you're going to get. You need to have the horse that's a star. Yep. Um, Let's get through some text messages here. wonder if, I reckon James Cummings could give us a horse for Gideon. Do you reckon Sheikh Muhammad would say, James, you can train this one for us? Just like, you know, do a deal? Yeah, I reckon the, yeah. I reckon the Sheikh would be in it. All right, we've got so many text messages to get through. I do agree that Blake Shin is flying, boys, but I can't wait until Macca comes down to Flemington and the carnival and takes all the Melbourne cash again. And that's the thing with J-Mac. He's been our best jockey for years now because he, he wins Sydney premierships for fun, but he turns up at Flemington and is the best rider during the Flemington Carnival. He's the best rider, of course, at a Cox Plate Carnival. So when you're talking about Norm Smith medalists on the biggest stage of all, J-Mac has completely dominated. Um, but it'll be interesting to see this year how he goes. Yep. Um, morning, lads. Picture this. You have a wait-for-age race, and there is 100 metres to run, and there are four horses fighting out the finish. McDonald. Lane, Shin, and Nash. Who would you have your last $100 on? That is a great point. Whoever yeah. has said that, that is a great point because it's got to be Nash. Yeah. You've got to have Nash. In that scenario, you've got to have Nash. Nash has got but, to be in the conversation, I think, too, for the 
for sure. But I think on average, in, in that specific scenario, 100% you want Nash. But on average, who's doing the things right before that? Because we all know Nash is famous for getting them over the line, but who's putting them in the right spot? Who's pushing the button at the right time? I think those guys have a little edge on Nash at the moment. Yep. What did Bart Cummings used to say? It's such and such around the dollars amount if you want me to train, but it is extra if you give me your opinion. Oh, that was a famous Bart Cummings quote. Um, and it would have been, I'd love, wish I had a horse with Bart back in the day. Um, I wish I got to meet him. Yeah, I met him a couple of times. Um, he was a legend, Bart Cummings. Oh. Don't go anywhere. You can stay for an extra five minutes. Of course. Because we've got all these text messages to get through. Plus, um, I want to have a chat about your weekend. I thought you were playing for Collingwood there on the weekend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all the pictures well, I was seeing at the, the after way, party. The way I carried on, you would have thought <laughs> I had. I had to run a premiership medal around my neck. Jack Jenkins, Gareth Hall with you. This is a Wednesday debate. Great to have your company. Um, and send in your text, 0499736736. We'll take the news, and on the other side of it, we'll go through your text messages. A lot of passion there this morning, which I love. And then we've got the bag of tips not far away as well to find you a few winners on uh, this Wednesday. Welcome back to Giddy Up. Gareth Hall with you. This is the Wednesday debate. The driver, the driver, you know, he tipped another two winners. Did he really? Penalone and Penrith the other day. Um, he said... He's helped me out here. Bart used to say, if you want to help me train, it's another $50 a day. Jeez, we might have to get the driver on. And I try when I get James Cummings on. I want a Bart quote every time we have a chat to him. Um, now, what else have we got here? Good morning, boys. What are the best bets for today? Um, we'll get to them for a bag of tips. It's a tough day. Just have a synthetic meeting on a Wednesday. Sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, the, um, the track change there sucks. Shining right now will be Barry within two months and Waterhouse and Bot are the best trainers at the moment in the country. That's from Sadie. Um, of course, they're better jockeys at the moment, G. Bloke has it ridden for weeks. Asked the question at the end of the spring. J-Mac on top. That's from Scotty. That's our point. That's what we're trying to explain. Scotty, Scotty. that's exactly what we're getting at here. Yeah. It's at the moment that for the first time for a long time that J-Mac, I think, is being dismantled as the number one jockey in the country. Jackie Legend, come on, mate. Surely the, the M&M raps live for you during one of your UFC walkouts. Well, that's the dream. That um, is the dream. I shared this tweet there the other day. We got this new text message. It's hard to scroll down. Um, morning, lads. We've already went through this. I shared this tweet back in 2023. J-Mac number one, T-Berry two, J-Car and then B. Shin. Oh, no, sorry. J-Mac and Sydney T. Berry, two. Um, Nash Rarilla, three. McAvoy, four. King, five. Clark, Bowman, O'Hara, Parr, and Abdallah. They're in Sydney. And then in Melbourne, Carr, Shin, Lane, Oliver, Zara, Williams, McNeil, Mellon, Brown, Johnny Allen, Slash, Luke, Nolan. Um, I don't know where Jamie Carr would be in your list of jockeys at the moment, Jack. Uh, yeah, look, she was, she was my number one. Um, she has probably dropped out of my top 10, um, okay. just based on form. Uh, I would love to see her find some winners and, and start to get a bit of confidence back before we get into the spring proper. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it is what it is and, and you ride with confidence and it, it's going to be a long way back for her to get to where she was by the looks of it. Can Romantic Warrior get beat for the Cox Plate? $3.30, never raced at the Valley. Um, I'm limiting, I'm with Victoria Road now. That's from Kane. Also, Amelia Jewel is far too short. 
in the future betting markets at the moment. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous that yeah, she's you're... second favourite for both races at the moment. In fact, she's the favourite there for the Golden Eagle, and yeah, she hasn't those... been confirmed. I'm not. I would not go near those futures markets at the moment. Yeah, unless you know something. Yeah, unless you think you've got something that's I... out wide. Victoria Road. John O'Neill gave us a great push. I think he's a he's nearly a bet um, at twenty six dollars. He's into twelve dollars, but he's got Breeders' Cup winning form heading to a Cox Plate, and usually you would imagine that's a pretty good formula for a Cox Plate. Um, when are you fighting next, Jack? Oh, look, there's there's some whispers getting around. Uh, I believe the um, the UFC will have a card on Super Bowl weekend okay. uh, in Vegas. Um, I also know that the Super Bowl is in Vegas this year for the first time at the Death Star. Yeah. Um, so I would love to put my hand up and see if I can find a way onto that card. Um, and I what? think it will be the biggest, the probably headlined by the biggest star in the sport. So, uh, that's just my mystic Jack prediction and we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, Nash Will has got a better strike rate at the moment than Blake Shin. Nash has to be in the argument as our best jockey. I think he's, he's flying at the moment, Nash, and he's been getting the opportunity, say, that J-Mac would have had. So, um, yeah, you definitely have to put Nash into that conversation. Um, any thoughts on where Jerome Hunter's horses are at the moment? Keen to see where Rich Fortune um, is at the moment. No, we'll, we'll have to chase that up. I would yeah, see. we'll have to have yeah. a look. Hey, um, the other couple of questions for you there. How do you get onto a, a card like that? So what's the process? Um, so you, so for me, it'll be doing my rehab to get my injury back up to scratch. And then hopefully by December, I can nominate to the UFC that I'll be ready to go. And then I put out my preference and they kind of figure out where I fly into their situation because obviously they're big showcase events. They want to put on the fighters who a have good fan engagement, which I tick that box. And then they want to go B who has a, an interesting or exciting fighting style. Um, so I have that in my leg kicks and very striking heavy, as opposed to being wrestling heavy. It's just about whether they can find the right matchup. That's going to showcase that on the right event. So you need a little bit of luck. Can you go out and try and Look for the opponent that you want. Oh, 100%. I want to fight Nate Land here, but I just don't know if that's going to happen. He's, he's fairly, we're both coming off a loss, but he's ranked a fair bit higher than me. Um, I, I already asked for him up after my last fight and I didn't get it. So, but I think that would be a great fight. Like we could fight anywhere on the prelims, me versus Nate, and it would just be an absolute banger fight. So basically you need a little bit of luck in a way that you need to be fighting well but then you need someone to help your cause to give you an opportunity so you can climb the for ladder. For sure. It's a two man dance. I can only do so much. If somebody wants to come in there and push me against the fence and, or stand on the outside and, and, and be boring, then there's not much I can do about is that, it. Is that having good agents as well to try and get fights or is it? Yeah, do, not do necessarily. You, do you have no. to get on the phone? No, I, I, it's all mostly email, email back and forth with the UFC and figure it out that way. All right then. Easy. Um, I think Bjorn Baker is about to join us. We haven't, shortly. we haven't done our last topic. Oh, we've got to do the five. Um, um, it's Cox Plate, isn't it? Yes. Romantic Warrior. Yeah. Can Romantic Warrior get the job done? I've got no rundown today and I don't know what Jacko's, oh, I don't know if we've got Bjorn Baker on the line. Oh, you go. It's no. All right. we'll... no, no, no. We've got to get, no, we've got to say, so can Romantic Warrior? Cause some saying that Romantic Warrior can't lose. Well, see, I disagree completely. There are too many question marks with Romantic Warrior's prep. She, he is coming over here, never left Hong Kong before. Mm -hmm. Don't know how he travels. 
He's come in straight away. They've had issues with feeding him, with him losing a bit of weight, et cetera, which you would expect for the trip, but straight into issues. Then he's going to be first up over 2000 at Flemington, potentially on a soft or a heavy track, given how much rain we're expected to get. And then the question on top of that of, does he handle Mooney Valley? Yeah. Right. So for me, there's just too many questions to be getting involved at the, what is he, 250 on? 350. 350 in a futures market. Even then, I just can't get involved. And you have these horses that might be going there, like Amelia's Jewel, that we know handle the valley, are absolutely flying and they don't have to travel anywhere. So I understand in the time form ratings and stuff, we've got a We've got a different class of horse, but there are a lot of question marks. And if he's going to be vulnerable, he's going to be vulnerable here. So I really haven't really moved from my top five, my rankings. Amelia's dual one, Imperatrice two, Brightside three, Militarized four, and Sulcum five. Romantic Warrior might go into the top five next week after I see him, but Sulcum worked the house down, they tell me, yesterday morning at Flemington. That's it. I think if the... That Sulcum, depending on how Romantic Warrior parades, I'll be there on track on the weekend. Depending on how Romantic Warrior tr- parades, Sulcum might be a bet. Yeah, I reckon Gold Trip can be a bet. Yeah, if it's if it's a bit heavy. Yeah, I reckon it hasn't stopped raining today. It didn't stop raining yesterday. There'll be plenty of moisture. So I think that he could be worth a play if he goes to the Turnbull. Fields yep. will be added a little later today. Um, do you like have you got your top five seedings? Um, look, it would be Imperatrice, Amelia's Jewel, well, and those two, you could swap them. Yeah. I don't care who's at the top. I wish I win Mr. Brightside and then a tie militarizing Stapati yes. at five. I, I'm, I'm, again, it'll, it'll be based on the track and the barrier draw and all that sort of stuff, but I'd love Stapati to win the, uh, the guineas and then go on to a Cox plate as I'm sure the plan is for militarize if he can get it done as well. Did you getting some advice here? Um, Jack, that you, have you ever watched Hong Kong racing before? <laughs> that bloke didn't put his name or whoever that put person. Your na- put yeah. your name on your message yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> have a bit of gumption oh, about you. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Romantic Warrior can do. You're fired up there. You're fired up the champ. Um, good luck, mate. Now, right. next time you go on a fitness camp, yep. what places could you go to? Um, look, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking between a few at the moment, I'll either do Thailand, I'll either go to Vegas because we have all the performance Institute facilities there yeah. or the, if I just want to get right out of my comfort zone, I might go to Dagestan, I might go to the mountains of Russia in the that Caucasus region there. Yeah. I, would, I would choose, I would love to go and see what you do in Dagestan. Yeah. It would just be grueling like hard Rocky training. Did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very similar. Um, and You've got a couple of mates there with the, the, the Collingwood Football Club and you must have been proud of their efforts there on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. That was, it was brilliant, pretty emotional. I was um, really happy for the whole squad, but in particular, Geordie, um, he's a good friend of mine and to see what he's been through in the last 18 months and, and to put his head down and just do the work and put himself in the position not only to get to the grand final, but then to kick two goals that were as important as he did. Um, I was happy to see that medal around his neck and uh, I carried on like I was part of the team. So with Geordie, and um, you don't have to go into too much here, but obviously you've got a really good relationship with and your success in the ring and obviously you've got that that um, relationship when you can talk about your different sporting events and the pressures that go into what you're doing in a, in a sporting um, field. But he has come a long way, hasn't he, Geordie, especially the last 12 to 18 months after that situation there in, in New York. Um he, he seems to be in a, 
he seems to be in a, in a better place at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think he's just, he's making the right decisions in the, in the moments where you don't think that the decision is important. He's just, he's choosing to go down the harder path of training in the right way and, and, and behaving in the right way. And it just shows in everything he does. He's a more mature, more well-rounded person. And, um, I think you, you know, I love spending time with him and he deserves all the credit that's coming his way in the, in the off season. And, um, I'm tipping he'll have a big preseason again because he's not done with just one. Yep. He might go to Russia with you for a fitness camp. Hey, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Good on you, Jack. Um, good luck today. Good luck this week. We'll catch up with you next week as well. Um, but can't wait for Turnbull Stakes Day. He'll stakes day there in Sydney as well. And then this time next week, we'll be getting set for the Everest and also Caulfield Guineas Day. What an exciting week. Um, don't go anywhere. Thanks, mate. There's Jack Jenkins. That's a Wednesday debate. Always a lot of fun. We'll take a break. Come back with a bag of tips straight after this.